0: Welcome to Decoding Careers, a podcast to help software engineers transition into a leadership role. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Decoding Careers. Really exciting episode today. It's a pleasure for me to introduce our today's guest, Stephen Krasanovich. For those who don't know, Steve is a highly respected and people-centric technical leader with a strong track record of delivering scalable platforms. So Steve's leadership style is centred around empowering people and fostering highly engaged engineering teams, creating an environment that encourages collaboration and fuels innovation. Steve's currently the GM at Cash Rewards, um, and they've also, quite recently, they've transitioned from being a startup to now a scale-up. And Steve's been you know, really responsible for guiding the engineering team through this evolution. Now, Cash Rewards is a platform that provides cash back to customers as they stop at their favourite stores. And now as the company has grown significantly, Steve and his team have worked to deliver a highly scalable platform and expand his team in response to a rapidly increasing user base. So absolutely thrilled to have him on our show. It was short notice, this one as well. So I really appreciate you, you finding the time, Steve. But yeah, welcome.
1: Thanks, Sam. Pleasure to be here.
0: Brilliant. So, yeah, Steve, I think the way we always like to start the show is taking the audience back to when you wrote your first line of code.
1: Uh, so it's probably um, back when I was about five five or ten I think I remember getting, uh, I've got an older brother, so he was already into computers and already had a computer or, uh, but I remember when we got, I think it was like a 386 or a 486 or something like that. And I turned it on and, you know, started playing around with, I can't even remember what version of Windows that was, 95. I can't remember which version, but um remember playing with that. And then I found the DOS prompt and I started playing with it and Learning to you know move files, or I remember DIR. I remember wow, (laughs) there's like all these files here, and wow, what did I just do? Then I kind of started looking at scripting and you know copying a file and then doing DIR after it, and it was really I don't know just amazing for me to kind of you know feel what was actually happening, and I, I fell in love with computers ever since then, and I've been on the road to. Moving into engineering. Ever since then, I've probably never had another thing that I've gone, yeah, I want to do something different or that sort of thing. I've just really been fixated on on computers, and yeah, here I am. I'm still here. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, not interesting. And it's always a similar sort of story. Someone turns a computer on, start playing around with something, and you're just like, wow, yeah, this yeah. this is mean. You obviously get that get that feeling. All right, and why? Obviously, that that was sort of taking us back to the, the very beginning going sort of forward in your career. So why do you think that you you sort of fell into into software engineering? Uh,
1: Look, like like I said, I kind of had a passion for computers. I I like to be creative as well and pretty creative kind of thing where you can create something new and you can make it work a certain way. You know, it was similar to when playing with that DOS file, you know, creating a file that can do a certain thing that you kind of make that behaviour happen. Uh, There was a period where I was... Actually thinking about mechatronics, so it was kind of computing, but more the robotic side of things and and that sort of thing, but again, still kind of software, but more into that space of physically moving and doing that sort of thing, but yeah, then I kind of landed in uh, information systems at uni and quickly got into consulting and then it was just like wow I was <laughs> the the gates are open, and I was steaming ahead,
0: yeah, nice. Did you go, obviously you mentioned the universities, did you go to uni, if you did, what did you study and how do you think it helped your career?
1: Yeah, I did go to uni, I went to, uh, I did an information systems course at ACU, but I wouldn't say I went to uni very often, (laughs) I kind of, I did go out a lot and enjoyed the uni lifestyle and I've actually got a really good friend who we're friends with now and we joke about how we never went to the same uni together. Because you know we randomly bumped into each other, but weren't there very often. Uh, but I think it did, uh, you know, give us a little bit of a, you know, more sense of what software is and you know what computers can do and all that sort of thing. So, you know, for the moments that I was there, it was enjoyable and gave me a bit of a base on something to expand on.
0: Yeah, and everyone's got different views. So, like, obviously, you've been you've been hiring for years now. Is it something that you'd look past if someone hasn't been to university on on their profile, or
1: yeah? Look, I, I look for cultural fit. Look for people wanting to explore and be curious, and asking questions where you know they think about it and they they might come back with a, an answer and not just wrote learn some stuff. So, and I think I think back to when I kind of finished uni, I remember finding a job was always because I was at that age and you know, everywhere you went, they'd ask you, Oh, what uni degree did you do? What are your scores and all that sort of thing? But once you get past that, then it's what's your experience? You know, and there's always something that you've got to kind of get past. So I think, you know, the university degree gave me a bit of grounding for learning about computers and all that sort of thing. But I think it just would have been a different barrier to to jump. And then once you get experience, once you find your break, then, you know, it's all about the experience that you have and it's all about the you know, the passion that you bring to it. And you can tell that when people are talking to you, if they're just there to be there or if they're there because they really enjoy what they're doing. Uh, and that's that's what I kind of look for is, you know, making sure that they they want to be here and they're really kind of passionate about this.
0: So there you go. So if you've not been to university, obviously I've got a relationship with quite a few different engineers that are self-taught, um, and it's more just about the problem skills at um, the end of the day. So obviously you you do get the fundamentals at uni, but like you said, I think culture and the, the, the problem-solving and the can-do attitude is probably the, the main the main things. Yeah. All right. Now, let's talk about your first job in software engineering. Take us back. Who was you working for and how did you get the job?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I wouldn't call it – well, it wasn't a software engineering job, but I tried to make it that. So my first job out of uni was at CBA, And it was actually in the HR department. So it was like a systems analyst or the computer guy that was in the HR department. And I tried to like use my skills to, we used to do like a remuneration review for all of the people at CBA. And they used to do this spreadsheet thing where, you know, they'd have all these spreadsheets. They're trying to hit this 4% or 5%, whatever it was, increase across the board, adjusting everyone's you know bonuses based on their scores or whatever it was, whatever thing they decided would be the thing driving the score. Uh, and so I decided to kind of build out an access database with the front end and you know they could do it all nicely. And unfortunately, when the pressure was on, it didn't work. <laughs> and so it was a really, yeah, it was really embarrassing actually. A lot of users
0: though, was there?
1: So, no, 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 it was just HR. Oh, so okay. Instead of all the spreadsheets and, you know, printing them out and laying them over here yeah, and crossing yeah. it out and doing all this manual stuff, I thought, look, I can see what they're trying to do. I'm going to try and build some smarts where you click a button and it adjusts everything. And, you know, but then when they started reconciling, they're like, this is crap. It's not working.
0: <laughs> <You're belly-headed> so, <laughs> <in the sandager. laughs>
1: it was pretty bad, actually. And I'm like, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe next year. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a, like... Yeah, a stumble in my first kind of role, but then...
0: Would it be fair to say that, that sort of fired you on though as well to make sure the next thing that you built?
1: Yeah, look, I, I still enjoyed doing it, even though it was not a success. It was still really enjoyable. And I'm like, yeah, I love doing this. And, you know, I, I knew that it was just a, a stepping stone. And like I said, once you're out of uni, it's finding that first job. Once you've got a first job and you've got some experience, it's about, well, I've got experience now, you, should, you know, and trying to showcase what you've done. And then I kind of moved into a consulting company, a really small consulting company, and that was amazing. I was just learning off, you know, real engineers, and really getting my skills to a level where I just I'd be learning every day something new, and it was amazing. It was yeah, really good.
0: Yeah, nice. Obviously, with the show, what we like to, I think what what's pressing is obviously engineers that are making that transition from an engineer to a leader. Now, talking about leaders or, or supervisors. How much impact do you think they had on your career?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely someone that when you work with someone who inspires you and, you know, shows you what good can look like, then, you know, it is definitely something to aspire to yourself as well. And they have a massive impact uh, because, you know, you're, you're trying to emulate that as well. And, you know, you're trying to be just as good or, you know, trying to, see what they're doing and how they're inspiring other people as well. You know, that's pretty good to see when people are actually inspired by their leaders. And so, yeah, when you've, you know, find someone like that, it's real, just watch them and see what they do and, and try and learn from them as much as you can.
0: Yeah. And what advice would you give to young programmers to find a coach or, or a mentor? Do you think that's important?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think that, like, failure is really important and you learn a lot from failures, But you can also learn from other people's failures and, you know, you can kind of step up in your career and, you know, even the things that are a bit unknown, you can kind of get answered and you can talk to someone who's been there, done that to give you advice. It's really, really useful. And yeah, I mean, I have a coach that I kind of still talk to because, you know, it's pretty important to just be able to see things from a, a different angle sometimes and, you know, be able to learn from that. It's really important.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you want to take us back to when you first stepped into the leadership role? If you remember where you was working, what sort of stage of your career you was at, and then maybe talk to us a bit about the the transition um, from that engineer to a leader.
1: Yeah, so I think um, a leadership role can take many forms, I think. And, you know, I think there's... I've recently moved into a management role, which is a type of leadership role. Uh, But I'd say that, you know leadership is about how you, how you kind of present yourself and how you drive others around you and, and that sort of thing. And so looking back, I kind of moved from engineering into architecture. And, you know, the reason around that was just kind of putting things together and, you know, looking at it at a more abstract level was something that kind of excited me. And then when I moved to Woolies, I started to look at you know, because I've been doing it for a few years and it was quite easy to just bang something together. And, you know, I've done it so many times. I know how to think about these things, but it started to pique my interest about getting other people to start work on these things. And, you know, it was really rewarding to see people grow and learn how to do this thing. And it really kind of, you know, I, I see myself as a, you know, a leader of, from a technical space there and, you know, bringing people along to, really own the designs that they did and the things that they built and really put the right thought process around it. So it was probably relatively recent when I kind of moved to Woolies where I first had the opportunity to do that. Because a lot of places you kind of, you work in your role and, you know, you get given a thing and it's pretty hard to break out of that. But, you know, at Woolies it kind of gave me the freedom to start looking more broadly. And then more recently here at Cash Rewards, I actually joined as a solution architect and Yeah, after about three months, uh, just coincidentally, I kind of, the CTO then left and, you know, it was kind of like, well, do you want to do it? I'm like, okay. (laughs) I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll I'll try. And yeah, it's been great actually being, you know, trying to take those experiences that I've learned and apply them, managing a team and growing that team, helping them develop their skills. Yeah, it's been really, really rewarding. It's been great.
0: Yeah. What sort of, advice would you give to someone that was going to make that transition from say a senior software engineer to a sort of tech lead obviously on all those different stages um, or even a team lead
1: uh, I'd say don't don't do it just because it's a promotion and you want to move up in the world because you've got to love what you're doing and I mean there is a there is a certain skill that you need to have and you know you're not going to have that right away but something has to spark you to want to do that as well uh, and you know after a while you should know if you really want to do that or not and you know i think it's important that you really love what you do and yeah this is just another one of those things it's not just a you know a notch that you've got to take you've got to actually really want to do it it's really important
0: yeah now in terms of a bad leader like because I've what what I've, some of the conversations i've had with engineers recently is they're in an environment, they're going to be a leader, but the person that they're looking up to isn't an amazing leader. What sort of advice would you give to someone in that sort of environment? Would you advise them to try and step up and and take over the current leader in in that role? Or would you sort of advise them to look elsewhere? Or would you just sort of sit tight in terms of where they're at in their career now?
1: Yeah, that's a difficult one. I mean, it's really hard to rise up when your leader doesn't, appreciate that or you know doesn't appreciate the differences and yeah I don't know actually um I mean there is a lot of kind of opportunity around and the problem is if you find another place then you kind of have to prove yourself again you know you don't have the experience so people go well you're not really a leader because you haven't done that and unfortunately they don't look at you know they look at your resume but they won't They'll look at your title and go, uh, you haven't had a lot of experience whatever. It yeah. can be a bit hard to kind of find the role that you want. Uh, but, I mean, you can be a leader yourself with your own team or whatever and, and kind of, you know, le- learn your skills yourself uh, there. But, I mean, again, it's really hard to – because we as humans always want to get, you know, recognition that we're doing the right thing and that sort of thing. If you've got a leader that's not, not that great, they might not recognise what you're doing is great, and they'll just be going, "Well, that's you know, that's not good." Yeah. So it's pretty hard, pretty hard position to be in, actually. Yeah.
0: And it's quite a common trend as well, where a lot of engineers they're scared to move away from the tech. Like, can you talk to us a bit more about that? Like, do you think that's completely oh, normal? You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, okay. I,
1: th- I think it's actually, from my opinion, I think it's important to stay close to the tech. I, I still do lots of, actually, to the my team are kind of a bit annoyed sometimes because I do things and they're like, who did this? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I won't do that again. And then the next week I'm like, oh shit, I did it again. <laughs> but I, I do like to tinker. And I think, you know, if I don't, then I, I've, I've always loved coding and I just want to keep doing it. And I, I don't, I don't put myself in harm's way. I don't put myself as a critical thing to a production deployment or something, but I will build stuff on the side and I'll, i try things out and, You know, I think it's important to kind of learn the skills. You know, the new things that are coming out. Appreciate some of the challenges because you know it's really easy to kind of lose touch of that. And when an engineer tells you it's going to take two weeks, you're like, "Why? What are you doing?" You're like, "No, this is so simple. It's just a you know." But being close to the tech, you really understand what it's taking. Why is there a, a difficulty there? It's also important when you know engineers talk to you about stuff, you actually know what they're talking about, and they're not just you know, saying some words and you're going, oh, okay,
0: whatever. That sounds good. Uh, so it's, yeah, it sounds pretty,
1: <laughs> sounds like you know what you're talking about. You've, <laughs> you're obviously pretty good at this. Um, so, yeah, I, I find that, you know, uh, keeping those skills up, it interests me and it's important to, for me, I think it's important to have have that knowledge.
0: Yeah. Um, what about, because there's been a few leaders on the show as well that have mentioned that obviously they're close to the tech book, when they do get involved because they've not been cold in as such and things are built differently, they can actually become, they can actually get in the way of what's going on. What's your your thoughts on on that?
1: hundred (laughs) percent. Like, and that's why if you're talking about production code, then don't really want to get near that because, I mean, if you you just think, ah, it's going to be pretty easy, I'll change that. But once you get roped in, you don't realise that there's all this other stuff that needs to happen. And all of a sudden you're like a dependency. It's not a good place to be in. But yeah, tinkering on the side, even that is not that great because you know, you think you're helping and then the team come along and go, Who did this? Why are we doing that? And they'll rewrite it anyway. Right. So I think it's kind of part of owning your own destiny as well as a as an engineer. You want to build your own things and and that sort of thing. So you know, you can do it, but as long as it's not in the critical path, as long as you don't get offended because people just discard your stuff after after they look at it, then I think it's, it's fine. But, yeah. yeah, in that production side of things, that's it's dangerous territory to be in.
0: Yeah. And if you had your time again, what would you do differently?
1: I don't know. I don't think I would. <laughs> like I'm pretty happy with progress that I've made. I've had a lot of different experiences, so, you know, being able to understand, you know, what it is to be a software engineer, a tech lead, you know, I've always had a thing when I kind of get interested in a particular discipline or I'll try and get it and I'll see, you know, what I need to do to get there and eventually I'll wear whoever down and I'll get there and I'll become, you know, whatever role I want to kind of be in. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with the path that I've gotten so far and, yeah, it's just been a lot of different great experiences and, I mean, some not so great as well. I've learnt from them as well, but, yeah, probably wouldn't change
0: anything. And what's next for Steve?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I do kind of like, you know, architecture and uh, that sort of thing. I am finding, um, you know, as GM of engineering, getting a little bit more hands off and, yeah, I, I don't know just see what happens <laughs> yep
0: yeah. yeah. sounds good alright Steve well thanks very much for coming on the show mate pleasure to have you some really good insights there uh, into sort of your experiences and you know you've worked at some of the best environments in Australia as well and not just work but you've been leading teams so absolute pleasure to have you on the show are you happy for engineers to sort of reach out directly if you've got any sort of questions
1: yeah sure yeah, yeah I'm on LinkedIn so yep yeah. yeah.
0: Nice. Shall I share your number as well? <laughs> <laughs> All good. Thanks for coming on the show, Steve. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having Cheers, me. Cheers,
0: mate. You've been listening to Decoding Careers with Sam Yates. This podcast is proudly brought to you with the support of recruitment agency, Discovered People. To find out more, go to discoveredpeople.com.au.